This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. On second and two, Maurice Jones-Drew fighting for a first down. Maurice Jones-Drew gets a first down and more. To the 39-yard line, gain of 17. Osgood was the motion man. Mojo into the end zone. Wow. Maurice Jones-Drew, the touchdown for Jackson. The three-time Pro Bowl running back with the Jaguars, now LA Rams radio color commentator and fantasy football expert, on NFL Network, MJD Maurice Jones-Drew. He'll join me in about five minutes' time. Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. I'll be with you till 1 o'clock. What a show already, folks. Man. This is a, a mega show. We had Riddick Bo earlier, former Undisputed Heavyweight Champion of the World. We'll have that podcast out on Twitter at tsn1050radio, at andymc81, and online at tsn1050.ca. Uh, a must-listen as Riddick Bowe gets ready to go to the Fantasy Sports Show this weekend at the International Center. I'll be there as well. Uh, I'll be there Saturday, 1230 and 430, doing some NFL and CFL fantasy football advice seminars. Riddick Bowe will be there shaking hands, signing autographs, and, uh, and man, yeah, what, what a treat to interview Riddick Bowe there. Uh, so we talked... Uh, little Jays earlier, and we have, we'll get into some fantasy football because this weekend, after the third preseason game, if you if you were able to remain patient and not rush into your fantasy draft, this weekend and into next week is when you do it. Maybe after the fourth preseason game, but typically the starters don't play in that game, and so after the third one, you can go about doing your drafts. So risers, fallers, who to stay away from, who to go for. Really, it's it's to me. It's one and lost. Fantasy leagues are one and lost on the waiver wire, and you go through the draft. Obviously, you have to draft relatively well, but if you make those shrewd pickups on the waiver wire, that's where things can really jump out for you and really make a difference. Uh, and then sleepers, of course, right? Who's gonna? Who's potentially gonna bust out? Who's gonna jump up and who to stay away from? Like for me, I'm staying completely away from the New England Patriots backfield. Too busy, too unpredictable. Bill Belichick, it's almost like he trolls everybody, including fantasy players. Yeah, Rex Burkhead back there. People talking up Rex Burkhead. All right, was that, well, he's more of a bulldozer type, maybe a goal line guy like Garrett Blunt. Yeah, I don't know. Keith Bauer, our technical producer, you're a fantasy nut like myself. Are you touching anybody in the Patriots? Backfield for your fantasy team has that committee written all over it. Not a chance. I year after year. I, I think Maurice? since the days of Corey Dillon. Ooh. No, no Patriots running backs. No, that's going way back. That's going way back. Yeah, it's too unpredictable. You and this is the tough part. When you're drafting, if you don't get one of the few bell cow backs, you're in a committee mode and you are scrambling the whole season. And there's not many of them. So we're going to get some fantasy football advice, talk some L.A. Rams, and about his career, too. A real pleasure to have on the line Maurice Jones-Drew, MJD, three-time Pro Bowl running back. Maurice, how's it going? I'm 
doing well, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Uh, real pleasure to, to chat with you. Um, so you're doing L.A. Rams uh, radio color duty this season, and the Rams, very interesting, and of course a position you know so much about at running back, Todd Gurley. Great rookie year, bit of a step back. The offensive lines try to be re- rebuilt and, and, and tweaked in L.A., uh, how do you see Todd Gurley year three? Uh, you know, uh, last year was a little bit of a – it was kind of the perfect storm in, in a bad way for the Rams. Obviously with the move and um, the coaching staff. And it was just a lot of distractions out there. This year, uh, Coach McVay kind of came in and really eliminated a ton of distractions, brought in Whitworth, who uh, I want to say is the best free agent piece that you could find, uh, left tackle that can help in the passing game and in the running game. And, and, and then obviously with the receivers that they've, they've acquired over the last month or two with Sammy Watkins and um, Woods and Cooper Cup, those guys, um, they've helped the running game out. And so uh, Todd's still going to have to break tackles, but these guys are really you know committed to running the ball, and it's all in, in an effort to help Jared Goff. So I, I think Todd's going to have a, a bounce back here this year. Well, and as you said, yeah, you have whenever you can line guys up in the slot and keep the defenses honest, right? I'm sure, like when you were playing too, when they're stacking the box, uh, you were able to overcome that a lot of the time. But that's never ideal for a for a running back. So if you can spread things out, then that only builds success for everybody, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think again, when when you know we call it the Sammy Watkins effect. Uh, if you watched the last preseason game, Oakland was really concerned about him. Uh, he, I want to say, he was targeted three times, but. Uh, the way he's able to stretch the field and catch the deep ball, and, and, and I mean that's always going to make a defense back up and put play uh, two high stages and not be able to load the box, and that's, that's going to help Todd out. Where last year, you know, you had a rookie quarterback, a lot of people were like, "Well, Jared's going to have to beat us. We're going to load the box, and we're going to focus on stopping the run and leave our corners on the island." And, and, and you know that that worked out for him last year. This year, I don't see many people doing that. In conversation with Maurice Jones-Drew, uh, three-time Pro Bowl running back. Uh, when we look at Jared Goff, came partway through the year, uh, didn't look great, you know, but a, a rookie guy partway through. Now he's got the full training camp. He's the guy. It's going to be him, and they're going to the offense is now built around Jared Goff. You've been around a lot of quarterbacks. When you have that mindset, even if they're a young quarterback, when you know you're the guy and everything is built around you, from seeing practice and being around, how much better prepared do you feel Jared Goff is from his rookie year to this season? Well, you know, again, Jared came from a system uh, where in college they didn't have to call a play in the yeah. huddle, and he didn't have to take a snap under center. So he had to learn those two things first. And so last year was kind of a redshirt year until they felt he was capable of doing it and command the offense. And they didn't. He had some good games, and he had some ones that where he was struggled. But uh, now where this is your second year uh, where you don't have to teach him how to take a snap under center. You don't have to teach him how to call a play in the huddle. Um and and I think, you know, like you said, the mindset of, you know, I am the guy. I don't have to worry about being the backup of those things. I'm going to always be the guy. And then to to have that kind of, um, you know, uh, for the coaches in the organization to, to go out and dr- uh, trade for a Sammy Watkins, to go ahead and draft guys. I want to say they drafted seven tight ends or wide receivers in the last two drafts. I mean, they're, they're putting weapons around him more and more to help him out. That That's going to solidify the fact that you are our guy. We want you to be successful. Let's shift to the fantasy side here with the Rams. When you're looking at those deeper picks later, or maybe even waiver wire guys in PPR, I I'm bullish on Cooper Cup. How do you feel? Oh no, a lot of people. I, I think he may be a he's a he's a sleeper, no question. Um, 
when you watch on third downs, when you watch when Jerry gets in trouble, he looks right for Cooper Cups. Um, they've they've kind of created a rapport over the last you know five or six months where they know that this guy is going to catch the ball majority of the time. Um, and you saw that in the last Raiders preseason game where he picked the ball up off the ground pretty much uh, and made a tough catch for a third down conversion. You also have guys like Gerald Everett, who, who's a tight end, a, a very sneaky tight end, who's very athletic, um, and they're going to use in a Jordan Reed type of way hmm. where they're going to line him up outside, try to get a matchup on linebackers. He's a bigger receiver pretty much, and, and he'll be able to make guys miss. Uh, and, and then again, you know, um, it's funny. I really feel like Sammy Watkins is going to be that eighth-round guy, right. right, where you can – he's going to be a number one wide receiver. Um, when you talk to him, he talks about, you know, the the temperature here in L.A. being, you know, better for him, a guy from Florida where, you know, he's not used to – he was never used to playing in the cold. You go from Miami to Clemson. Right. And then you end up in Buffalo and you have a lot of injuries uh, where, you know – He's more of a warm weather guy, so he has that weather back. He's playing on grass, and there's a lot of things that are different in in LA than there are in Buffalo. So he's very excited. Say so he's completely healthy and he's ready to rock. So I think he'll be a, another uh, guy for the Rams that I would look out for as, as well as Todd Gurley. Um, I think he's going to have a, a really good year this year. In conversation with Maurice Jones-Drew, L.A. Rams radio color commentator, fantasy football expert on NFL Network, and three-time Pro Bowl running back with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, MJD, when we look at the uh, strategy for people in their fantasy leagues in the draft overall, it's always always the question, well, w- which way do I go first? To me, the last couple of years has been, if you don't get that stud running back, because there are very few bell cows left, if you don't get the, one of those very early. You can find uh, nice complimentary pieces later with wide receivers, but if you don't go running back, you are chasing your tail the entire year. What would your advice be early on? Is it try to go running back as early as possible and solidify that RB1 spot? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. There's so many ways that you can go, and I feel like you have to just kind of go with the flow of the draft. Yeah. What I've, I've done is I've always like kind of set up my lineup how I want to do in the first round. You know, if I'm in a 12-team uh, league or a 10-team league or a 14-team league, I always set up the, my top 14 guys. And then I kind of try to do the second round as well. And I just pick the best available in that situation. Um, it usually pans out. Sometimes you go the zero running back theory where you get a ton of wide receivers, right? Right. Um, and then sometimes I'll end up with three or four running backs in the first three, four rounds. Hmm. And and so it, it just to me, you have to use use those situations as guidelines. If I the running the zero running back theory works, if you have Antonio Brown, if you have you know Mike Evans, if you find a way to get all these top wide receivers, uh, but then it doesn't work if you know if one like I want to say last year I, I did the zero running back theory and I had Keenan Allen oh. as my second uh, pick, and he was leading the league in, in, in receptions and receiving. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great year. Who cares if they feel right? So yeah. like it, it just those type of things kill you for me. Uh, I do like to go running back early. I like to try to get a, a David, a guy that's versatile, though, a guy that's going to catch the ball and run the ball. So, you know, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, those guys are right along there. But Devontae Freeman's a, a great pickup. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon late in the first round is a really good pickup. Uh, even Jay Ajayi, who I feel like will be more consistent this year than he was last year. I know he had, like, two or three big games. But I think he'll be a very consistent runner this year because they kind of know what they have in him. And he has a quarterback that can stretch the field with his arm now. So, um, there, there, I mean, it just depends. Again, you know, I try to stay away from tight ends early like that, like Gronk. Um, but if you do end up, I want to say two year or last year I had Gronk uh, in the first round. And, 
you know, he gets hurt, but I was able to, you know, find a tight end that was able to take that. But, again, you just have to be able to, you know, really the draft, it kind of sets you up for success, but you really have to hit the waiver wires, really stay on it. You know, I think a guy that a lot of people haven't talked about, and I don't know why I'm giving you guys this information, but <laughs> uh, I haven't done any of my drafts yet, but Adam oh. Thielen's a guy that I feel like yeah. with Stephon Diggs being healthy, Adam Thielen went off last year towards the end of the year, and he has a, a great comfort zone with Sam Bradford, so – those two wide receivers in Minnesota should have big, really big years. And also, even if, if Stefan Diggs comes back and has a big year, I don't think that takes away from Thielen at all. It almost helps him because then the attention's going to be on Diggs, right? Oh, no question. I mean, when you watch that Green Bay game uh, last year in Green Bay, Thielen destroyed Green Bay. Yeah. And, and it wasn't – I know Green Bay hasn't had DBs in a while, but it, he had like two or three 200-yard games or 180-yard games last year that were really quiet. No one really talked about him. And, um, you know, he's a guy, he was consistently getting you 10, 12, 15 fancy points, a guy that you could pick up off the waiver wire. So uh, there's a lot of really good young wide receivers as well. There's a lot of young running backs you could pick as well. I think, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, those guys are going to go later in rounds, rounds three, four. You can pick up two rookies, and I think those guys will give you uh, some really good fantasy value there. Well, you mentioned Leonard Fournette, and he has the chance really to be the first crew feature back at a high level since you in, in Jacksonville. Uh, if you look at Fournette and McCaffrey specifically, um, and I think when, when you're talking PPR, too, you got McCaffrey, who is obviously a weapon in the passing game as well. Who do you like first? Uh, is it Fournette or is it McCaffrey? Well, yeah, I'm going to say McCaffrey because mm. they have weapons around him, right? So you right. have Cam, you have a quarterback, you have Cam Newton, um, you have Kelvin Benjamin, you have Greg Olson, uh, and so they're they're, they're going to utilize him in so many different ways from running the ball, returns. You know, f- to me, when I look at fantasy, it's all about volume. How many different ways can we get you the ball? Right. Um, and that makes you, you know, obviously a better pick than the other guys. Where Fournette is just a guy that. You know, you can't throw the ball to him, but they're, you know, Jacksonville's not really about that. They're, they want to turn around and hand the ball off to him 25 times a game. Um, and, and so, my, for me, I feel like McCaffrey right now, because his offensive line's a little bit better, he has obviously Cam Newton at quarterback, and they have other pieces that can kind of take the uh, focus off him a little bit. Where Leonard Fournette on that offense, I mean, they have quarterback issues right now in Jacksonville, even though they do have a really good wide receiver core. Um they, they're going to have to lean on him, and teams are going to know that. They're going to really load the box and, and do their best to stop him. Two more for you here, Maurice, and we'll let you get going. In conversation with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, a three-time Pro Bowl running back with the Jacksonville Jaguars. When it comes to quarterback strategy, that's the other thing this time of year, people. When do I take my quarterback? What, there's, there's depth. There's value later on, but when do you take it? Because you know there's somebody out there in the draft who's going to get antsy and jump on Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady early. Right, right. Uh you know, it's it's more of a feel thing. Um, I feel like Matt Ryan, uh, Derek Carr, those guys are just as good as Tom Brady. I mean, I want to say Derek Carr threw for 32 touchdowns last year and didn't play the last four or five games. Hmm. So, uh, you know, or no, I would say last two or three. I'm sorry. Yeah. But he he's he's a 40 touchdown guy. You have uh, Jameis Winston and his weapons. He's a 40 touchdown guy. So you can you can find guys later later around, especially because the league is become a pass. Like you just don't want to end up with, like, uh, you know, some of these other guys that, that, that don't really throw in the ball as much. I think Eli Manning will be really good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, they may not be the caliber of Tom Brady, but you may get a receiver that someone else is missing out on or a running back that someone else is missing out on. 
that, um, again, you know, they, they've, they've wasted a pick on a quarterback and then kind of didn't build around them. And then also, let, let me say this. My sleeper quarterback, for everyone that's out there listening, is Jay Cutler. I, oh. I really feel like, you know, we, we've had our, our disagreements uh, throughout the years, but I really feel like Jay is in a situation where he knows the system, they have a ton of weapons around him, um, and he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. And that's kind of what Adam Gase wants in that offense. And expect that offense to put up points. Right. And that's a great point because it's not just we're anticipating it to do well off of nothing. We've seen him succeed in that offense before. So that we, we have we have a small sample size. Right. And without those weapons too. You and know, Jarvis weapons. Landry, yep. Yep. Devontae Parker, Kenny Steels, you throw in Julius Thomas, I kind of rejuvenated Julius Thomas. Um Again, I, I think they're – and then you, you have J.I. who they can turn around and hand the ball off to, and their defense is really good. So they'll be in games, and they'll have to throw the ball a lot. And uh, I think they'll – you know, I think Jay's going to have a, a really good year down there in Miami. And last one for you here, Maurice. Uh, Dwayne Allen, you talked about Gronk a little bit in the, the tight end later. The second tight end in the Patriots system has typically done well, uh, going back a number of years now. And, and whether Gronk is healthy or not, is Dwayne Allen someone that you might look at later on as – not quite a handcuff because I think he'll still get production, but also that safety net in case Gronk goes down? You know, for me, I, I try not to do this, the safety net thing mm. because there's so many other tight ends. Um, but if Gronk does go down, um, I definitely look look towards Dwayne Allen. He's more of a waiver wire guy for me. Right. Um, just in fact that you're not going to spend, you know, I feel like you could get another top, uh, wide receiver late in rounds that will end up being really good for you. Uh, maybe, you know, a Corey Davis out of Tennessee or, okay. uh, you know, guys that that you know are going to be on the field and touch the ball. I know New England has run those two tight end sets, but, you know, they have so many weapons now. That offense is like the, the 2007 version where they had Randy Moss, Wes Welker, you know, Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Where they had everybody. And so, um, uh, or I don't think they had Hernandez or Gronk at that time. Uh, I'm sorry, but I think they had a ton of weapons. So now you have Cooks, you have Edelman, you have Amendola, you have, you know, Gronk, you have all those running backs that they brought in, which is they have about seven running backs there who all can make plays. Uh, and then you have Dwayne Allen. And so I think that ball is going to spread around a ton, but we know there's two guys in that offense that are two guys that for sure are going to get touched. The ball is going to be uh, Edelman and, and Gronk. Right. Uh, Brandon Cooks will touch the ball a little bit, but – Edelman's going to get you 90 catches a year. Gronk is going to get you 10 touchdowns a year if he stays healthy. So those are going to be the two guys that I really look at in that offense. And then waiver wire, kind of everybody else. Maurice, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and look forward to listening to you uh, throughout the season. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Maurice Jones, Drew, three-time, three-time, three-time Pro Bowl running back with the Jacksonville Jaguars, now L.A. Rams radio color commentator and fantasy expert on NFL Network. Hope you're taking notes, folks. We'll tweet out the podcast later on. That's some solid fantasy advice. I saw producer Joan Arsa and Keith Bauer writing feverishly behind the glass trying to pick up any tips. When he said, have a good year, yep. I'm like, keeper. <laughs> yep, there you go. Because when, when a former Pro Bowl running back tells you who also covers the team? Yes, this yeah, guy's <laughs> gonna have a year. That's inside okay, but knowledge. Hold on, hold on. Who covers the team? Maybe showing a little bit of bias nope, towards the team nope, he's covering. He it's, knows, not like, it's not like we've seen that before. <laughs> if he has biases toward Jacksonville, which is almost as hard to do as having bias towards the Browns, which I do. So I believe him completely. Todd Gurley, if you're out there, you are now Joe's keeper. 
I'm sure he is uh, thrilled and creeped out by that statement. How about this for a sleeper quarterback, Jay Cutler? Cutler looked at li- preseason. Yes, 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 I know. That's the third preseason Stop. one. Stop. Stop. okay. Are you questioning MJD? How dare you, sir? I'm questioning that you? every year Jay Cutler's supposed to be <laughs> that. Watch out. He might finally put it together. How long has he been in the league for now? 10, 11 years? When's he going to put it together? But this it's not going to happen. But there's a difference. <laughs> he was between, retired a month ago. There's He's a difference due. between put it together and being fantasy valuable. Fantasy relevant. Yeah. So With like, the weapons around him. So, example. Blake Bortles would go every week into the fourth quarter with four points, leave mm-hmm. with 20. Yeah. Blake yes, Bortles he's a terrible ridiculous. quarterback. As is Chad Henney, who might replace him. But How Blake Bortles was a garbage time point machine. That's what you have to consider. And Jake Cutler, yeah. he'll throw his picks, but he doesn't throw five-yard lobs. No, he goes deep. So like he's, And I'm thinking, like, not as your QB1, but if you're in a two-QB league or even have as a safety net for the bye week... A late flyer on Jay Cutler? It's not the worst idea. That's not terrible. And some other sleepers that I was looking at and going over for the season, I'm thinking quarterback-wise, again, if you want to wait a little bit, what about Carson Palmer? Right, Injury-plague season with his receivers last year. That team was expected to go to the conference championships and they missed the playoffs. This might be Carson Palmer's last year. He was an MVP candidate in 2015. He was a fantasy bust in 2016. This could be a bounce back year for Carson Palmer, who, again, is somebody who is not afraid to sling it. And pick up points only because David Johnson is one of the best PPR running backs in the league. I mean, if you can throw it one yard and he gets you 30. There you go. That still counts as a 30-yard bomb. Just like that. You still have weapons, right? You still have weapons there. And I... I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm starting to gain some interest in this, with the Raiders, DeAndre Washington as, and he might not even be the handcuff to Marshawn Lynch. We don't know what type of condition he's in. Is he going to be mainly a goal line guy? Like, who's go, Are you, are you going to really be able to have Marshawn Lynch back as the every down bell cow guy? Does he have that at 31 years old? Jalen Richards there, he was, it made some splashier plays. But DeAndre Washington, I think, has a chance to be a real impact sleeper if they limit Marshawn or he goes in and needs to be rested for spells. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. See, but that I think that duo scares me more than what's going on in New Orleans because I had Latavius Murray last year. Mm. And DeAndre Washington, you're right, was that goal stand right there, bang it in for a touchdown, just that leech that keeps taking away six points from you. Yep. But that is Marshawn Lynch's cup of tea, unless it's the Super Bowl and you're right there wah, and you have wah. three more downs. But he is a goal line running back. He's a wrecking ball. Yeah. I think you have it maybe re- like hitting the nail on the head that maybe he might be their cowbell. And for DeAndre. You, yeah, and maybe Marshawn will be hammering through on third and fourth down trying to get you the touchdown. But uh, <laughs> it's tough because I think we don't know anything about Marshawn Lynch yet. No. Like, that's the stay away from for me. It's a year off. Now, he's fresh, but at 31. Now, the motivation, it's not money. He wanted to come back to play for his hometown team. So you know the motivation is there. The passion is there. But, yeah, like, he is such a wild card. Like We, we don't know. We really don't know with Marshawn Lynch. One guy I would say to stay away from at the tight end side, Kobe Fleener with the Saints. I have a fantasy hate on for Kobe Fleener. 
Like, Joe, this guy, he came in, and he was like, man, it's hard learning the playbook here in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Hey, Kobe, figure it out. It's not hard. You have Drew Brees there, and he struggled. And I'm seeing Kobe Fleener as a sleeper. I'm, I'm not touching Kobe Fleener. He was inconsistent and poison on your fantasy roster last year. Not interested. Not interested in Kobe Fleener. I think outside of, you know, Gronk, Kelsey. Reed. And Reed. You have to look for high efficiency tight ends. Guys that are able to score you touchdowns. Because realistically, there's not a lot of yardage eating tight ends. No. Somebody that intrigued me, who is usually a good out is in the tight end spot, is the Steelers tight end, Jesse James. Oh. Because the road dog. Ben loves to use that tight end, and when Heath Miller was there, he was his kind of, okay, this is my last-ditch effort. Let's get me 10 yards. Yeah. But Jesse James has that ability and that speed that Heath Miller didn't have in the late end of his career. You might be able to see a guy like Jesse James get more space because of the weapons that the Steelers will have on offense. So he might be a good sleeper for me. The field. And you know what? He was one of my Hail Mary starts on the TSN four downs article last year uh, when I was writing for TSN.ca, Jesse James. Because, yeah, you have that out. Now, Martavis Bryant's back. You know, there's a lot of weapons. But, yeah, maybe as the out guy, that could be. I also like Cameron Bray. Even though they signed O.J. Howard, who I love, I'm thinking maybe he's more in keeper leagues or dynasty leagues going for the future. Um he loves blocking. I think they're going to take advantage of that. But Cameron Bray had eight touchdowns last year. Tied for the league lead among tight ends, and nobody's talking about him. So with famous Jameis down there in Tampa Bay, he has rapport. Long term, over the next few years, maybe not. But this year, Cameron Bray could be somebody that will jump up and, and surprise you because Mike Evans is covered. Right? If uh, Who is it? Who did they get? Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, they got Deshaun yeah. Jackson. Um so you have those two, but you have him as a goal line big body guy. Cameron Brait late. Listen, people are forgetting about Tyler Eifert because he came off that injury plague season last yeah, year. Yeah, him and like Zach Ertz, they're all kind of those guys are kind of clumped. But you know Kyle what, Rudolph. I don't see Kyle Rudolph to me is more like your Tyler Eifert. Mm. He can get TDs, but Eifert can't stay healthy. Zach no. Ertz, we'll see what he can be this season with Carson Wentz in his second year. Zach Ertz was disappointing to me. All right, we're gonna take the break. Come back. We're going to talk Mayweather-McGregor. Big fight tomorrow. We're going to hear some sound from Dana White, president of the UFC, as he spoke with TSN's Robin Black, and we'll help tee up the fight. We'll go over some prop bets, too, from Vegas for Mayweather-McGregor. A lot more coming up here on Toronto Today. Welcome back to the show. Tron today here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. You can follow us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio. Myself at AndyMC81. What a stack show, folks. We just chatted for 15 minutes with Maurice Jones-Drew. Three-time Pro Bowl running back in the NFL. LA Rams radio color commentator and fantasy football expert on NFL Network. And before that, the two-time former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, Riddick Bowe. A absolutely stack show. If you missed any of it, you can catch it on tsn1050.ca. I'll also tweet out the podcast at andymc81 a little bit later on. But now, it's almost time for Mayweather McGregor. The money belt, the customized money belt, I tweeted it out yesterday, is on the line. Over 3,000 diamonds, tons and tons of gold. 
Italian crocodile leather belt strap. That's really what's up for grabs. So it's, a, it's a gimmick match, but it counts. It is a sanctioned match. And if a Mayweather wins, he beats Rocky Marciano's record. Now, Riddick Bowe rightly brought up that it's not quite the same no matter who it was against because it wasn't a heavyweight. And there's something to being in the heavyweight division. And I maintain, I've said this for years, boxing is great when the heavyweight division is at its best. If you have heavyweight fighters that people know, people want to see, that's when it's at its best. No matter how great Mayweather was, Roy Jones Jr. Remember watching Vinny Penzianz at the Paz? No matter how great they were, if you don't have a strong heavyweight division, it just isn't the same ring as and the new heavyweight champion of the world. I hope, I hope uh, this Anthony Joshua guy can become that. Because it would be great to be able to have boxing relevant again. And I think you really need the heavyweight division. Floyd Mayweather's 40, 41 years old. What's he going to do after McGregor? Except if something weird happens and there's a rematch. Like, there's just so, there's so few options for interesting fights. Uh, TSN MMA and boxing analyst Robin Black is in Las Vegas getting ready for the fight. And he was chatting with UFC president Dana White. I believe he spoke with him yesterday. And he began by uh, talking if McGregor KOs Mayweather that he's going to be the biggest star on earth. Here with Dana White. So, Dana, you're, you're cooked. You're, you're exhausted. But this one's different. I was thinking about you and the team today. Uh, you can cheer for this guy. You're, you're not impartial. This is us versus them. That's got to be really cool. It's different. It's definitely different. You know, I, I, don't, I don't ever remember feeling this way. I don't know if I've ever felt this way or it's been so long that I forget what it feels like. But yeah, it's, it's us versus them. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm feeling it. I, I think that's, you know how many days we've had big fights and I've done PR for three, four days in a row and I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm mentally, physically, and emotionally drained right now. It's just, I think that the fight is weighing on me. I, you know, I, I'm, I want Connor to win this fight so bad. You feel it. But we're in the know. We know this guy can win this fight. Yeah. It's the funny thing is I did a lot of mainstream stuff today. People that don't know, that they're reading this thing. You know, the, the Association of Doctors of, of uh you know, the fight game or whoever the hell these people are, uh, are, are saying that this fight shouldn't happen and all this other stuff. Well, the, all these people that are saying this, they don't know Conor McGregor. They're going to know him on Saturday. So, um, and, and the fact that so many people believe that, well, it's impossible. He can't win. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? He's the bigger, stronger man. He's the younger man in this thing. And he's got knockout power in both hands. Anything can happen. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I'm telling you that anything is possible. You know, boxing has hyper-specialized. It's like an echo chamber. Boxers train boxers the way boxers were trained and spar with boxers and fight with other boxers, and they get hyper-refined. If Conor wins or does very, very well, do you think this will open their mind and start exploring ideas from Greco-Roman or Judo in the clinch and things like that? Because that's what MMA, that's what Conor and MMA is bringing to this. Well said, my friend. That's why I like talking to you. Um, you know, there's a lot of uneducated people about fighting. And this won't be a boxing match. It will be for Floyd Mayweather, but it's going to be a fight for Conor McGregor. Um, and yes, you're absolutely right. When you throw a jab, Floyd's the master of, he just threw a jab, he's programmed. 
He knows one of a few things are coming next. That will not be the case with McGregor. McGregor is going to be completely unorthodox, throw different types of punches, and he's strong as a bull. He's going to stay in, uh, attempt to stay in Floyd's face. Floyd's pretty good at getting on the bike and, and running around. It's, it's kept him, uh, you know, in the game for 20 years and, and, and kept him not getting hit by big shots uh, his entire career. Uh, the question is, can his almost 41-year-old legs, you know, keep Conor McGregor off him? I'm, I'm so fascinated by this fight, you know, but talking to somebody else who's educated about fighting, we know that, that the general public doesn't. And th but that's the exciting thing, is if and when he does very well or beats Floyd Mayweather, it'll change the way people understand the martial arts, and that, that to me is a fascinating moment in time. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. If Conor McGregor knocks Floyd Mayweather out, he's going to be the biggest star on earth. Forget about sports, movies, entertainment, whatever you want to call it. He will be the biggest star on this planet. I totally agree with Dana White there, president of the UFC, with uh, TSN boxing and MMA analyst Robin Black. That yeah, if Conor McGregor can pull this out, catch him with a punch, whatever, however it happens. If it's a clean win, you're not just talking about the biggest star in boxing. You're not just talking about the biggest star in mixed martial arts. In the world, everybody is going to know Conor McGregor if they don't already. And he will be a superstar of superstars. It'll be absolutely next level. And then what does that do? I would think it sets up another fight, a rematch, with Floyd Mayweather. Like, Dana White brings up interesting points. Now, part of that is, it's hype, right? He's trying to hype up the fight. Obviously, he wants to make it seem like his guy can win. Otherwise, why would you watch the fight? But we've had um, situations where you have fights that get talked up, and eventually you kind of buy in, and then everything happens with, with how you expect. But he's got a puncher's chance. And he is unorthodox. But Riddick Bowe made a great point. I brought this up to him. I said, well... What if a guy does something in a fight that you weren't expecting? You're training one way and something else happens, or he's unorthodox. And Ray Bo says the great ones make adjustments. You figure it out as you go. Like it was very, it, it was very cerebral how he was able to uh, to to break that down. Uh, and this is my conversation from Riddick Bo. Quick clip on uh, how Mayweather is going to be able to adapt to the MMA style. But you gotta remember, Mayweather is a professional, so therefore he will adapt. It's not difficult at all because you say, okay, well, you gotta figure this out, so I gotta do this, gotta do that, and it just comes back to you. So, yeah, like to figure that, and I, I Riddick Bowe is one of the greatest boxers of all time, right? You don't become a two time undisputed heavyweight champ, defeat Evander Holyfield of a 43 1 record by accident. So, I don't think every boxer can do that. But for him, yeah, it was very calm. It seemed very second nature. All right, well, if something doesn't go the way you do, you figure it out. I also found it interesting, Joe, how he uh, was able to say during some fights, he was able to play it and think, I'm going to knock him out in this corner in this round. Like, that's next level. Well, that goes to show you that when you're watching a boxing match and you see guys moving around, they are thinking one step ahead, two yeah. steps ahead. And I think that's what he means by as a professional as a boxer he'll learn how to adapt because he's processing information as the fight's going on because you do not have a person trying to 
basically jump on top of you, trying right. to arm bar you, kick you. You understand it's going to be a punch to the face, and you can move around that and start to strategize. Right. Unlike MMA, for boxing, you just have to worry about from the waist up. Right? That, that's it. From the waist up, that's what you got to worry about. Yeah, UFC for Conor McGregor is a guy going to clinch you, throw you down, take you down, try to submit you or knock you out with their hands or their feet. So I wonder if we're going to see, I'm sure we will, Mayweather, try, if, if it looks like he's, he's running away or, or backpedaling, if it's just trying to maneuver McGregor into a better position for him in that ring. Remember, McGregor's in the octagon. This is, this is the, uh, the boxing ring. So if he's going to be able to position him the way he wants, and if we see, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we see some early positioning and just Mayweather trying to figure out how to get McGregor in the spot that he wants. Not to mention Mayweather is, I think, the best defensive boxer oh, to wh- ever fight. Which can be, provide a boring look to a fight, but you're absolutely right. It's in the same, listen, it's the same vein, and UFC fans understand this. It's like watching a GSP fight. Yeah, he had yeah. become so methodical that it was such a boring event to watch, but it was more the greatness that you're watching George St. Yeah. Pierre. He would take you down, but it would be, yeah, just jab. Like, he would never finish anybody. No, and it was just calculated. And Mayweather, as boring as he is, is very calculated. And for McGregor, what we said yesterday, it's almost that the puncher's chance is his only chance because it'll be hard to outthink, outstrategize, and outbox probably the best boxer in this era. Well, you're not going to be able to be more technical or outthink him in a boxing strategy because he's been doing it his whole life just like Riddick Bowe. They've been doing it their whole life. So his cha- he can't go in trying to say, okay, well, I'm going to do defense. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to try to outbox Mayweather because you won't. So for McGregor, I think it has to be more about, all right, uh, let's... Try to go at him from different angles. Awkward delivery on punches. Maybe sides and things he has not seen before from a traditional boxer. You have to try to throw him off that way, I think. And there's some prop bets here. Uh, these are on Sports Illustrated, SI.com. And by the way, I heard that there is at least four $1 million bets on Floyd Mayweather over the last 24 hours. At least four bets for $1 million. They don't pay out much. One of them Ooh. only pays out like two twenty-five. Yeah, for one point two million. So that's like, you have to feel that is the lock of locks. Now, if you're dropping a million bucks, you can probably stand to lose a million dollars. That's probably like a hundred bucks for us, or for Joe, five dollars, two fifty. But yeah, like you have to be so sure that it's going to go down this way. So here's some prop bets. Uh, who will have more people with them during the fight walkout? So whose entourage is going to be bigger? Floyd Mayweather at minus 175 or Conor McGregor plus 125. Like Floyd, listen, Floyd's entourage isn't only big, it's varied and it can be awesome. I saw him one fight. He had the wrestler Triple H and Justin Bieber come out with him. How does that make sense? 50 Cent once released a song walking Mayweather out I Get Money. It was released... On Floyd Mayweather's really? fight, yeah, that's and he awesome. walked him out with it, and that's how he released the song. That's amazing. But what, a, like, what a strange entourage. Hey, uh, wrestling champ Triple H and Justin Bieber. Also, which fighter will have a longer fight walkout? Who's going to take longer to actually get to the ring? Mayweather or McGregor? Again, Mayweather the favorite there. Uh, will Floyd Mayweather wear a the Money Team hat during the fight walkout? 
Yeah, that's a guarantee. Minus 400 or plus 250, no. There you go. Man, there's a lot. Will Little Wayne wear a shirt during the fight walkout? <laughs> you can bet on that. Yes, he will. Will Nate Diaz walk out with Floyd Mayweather because he hates Conor McGregor? <laughs> oh, and then there's the Justin Bieber. You can actually bet if Justin Bieber's going to walk out. Yes is plus 300. Uh, heavy on the no. Minus 500. You can get deep in these. Will either corner throw in the towel? Will either fighter lose a mouthpiece? Who will be the first fighter to bleed? McGregor's the favorite there. And will there already, will there be a rematch in 2018? Let's see, will Conor McGregor fight in the UFC in 2017? Yeah, there's a lot. Jeez. Those are long-term. That's boring. Those are long-term. I, I like the ones, yeah, like who's going to come out and who's going to have more people with them. I think Floyd is like a favorite in the flash department and the boxing side. Like he's pretty much a favorite in every category on right. both sides. Which all my knowledge of television has taught me that he will lose. <laughs> Because that's how outrageous this is, that he is the favorite every single place, everywhere, even yeah. when it comes to wearing a hat. It'll be like, he, the only person to bet against um, Mayweather will be Mayweather. And then he'll win. He'll <laughs> get hell of money. I bet you one of those million-dollar bets is Floyd Mayweather's, because he did say he was going to bet totally. on himself. Puts it through somebody else? Absolutely. All right. We're going to take the break, come back to wrap up the show. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Toronto today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter at TSN1050Radio, at AndyMC81. I'm emotionally drained from the show, folks. Wow. What a Friday. To kick it off, we had Riddick Bowe, only the two-time former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, in studio next to me. His fist... Literally the size of my head. I'll tweet out the picture again after. Massive hands. Got his advice and tips on on the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Again, you can catch him at the Fantasy Sports Show down at International Center today through Sunday. Get his autograph, shake hands. Very nice man. Like, you don't want him to take a swing at you, (laughs) obviously, but a very nice man. And Joe, uh, he was even nice to you, which I uh, I was surprised at. Yeah, it was very nice to me. Those it, it was he I was hoping he'd like smack you, but he I feel like he said he could. Yeah. But then he when he was leaving, he was like, You are a good guy. You keep that up. And he's like, I'll see you Saturday. I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to his booth and he'll be like, I don't remember you, little and, guy. And, and then I whisper, I'm like, He 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 hates you and he's gonna get you. I hope not. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> it was cool when he it was, was saying cool. uh he he hadn't been asked those questions or felt like he'd done an interview like this since he was younger. Yeah. Like, you could see in his, in his face, like, he appreciated being asked about himself, his career, and, and then some, some strategy, too. Like, I thought it was very insightful, him being able to say, like, how he was able to adjust on the fly if things weren't going how he planned in a fight. But then also how he was able, at times, to position a fighter throughout the fight, like, stalking, almost, and say, all right, Come the sixth, seventh round, I'm going to knock this guy out in this corner. Almost like calling your shot like in pool. In and a corner pocket. He was very... It was a, he's a very different styled boxer, especially in that era where you see Mike Tyson used to walk in and walk out. It was yeah. like a minute and a half done. Yeah. And he said he'd much rather have a competitive fight 
where he gets those hits in. It's almost like how we talk about a hockey player. Some guys need to get hit to get into the game. Right. He seemed to like having that competition when he was in the ring. He didn't want to one-punch a guy and walk out. To bring it out, because it's, yeah, it's, it's challenging. and it, it seemed like he really just appreciated the craft and science of it. Like, he's a real throwback. And that's, that's the shame with boxing today. You know, you don't have that, that heavyweight guy. So Mayweather-McGregor, this Saturday, from Las Vegas, we're going to get the official predictions now. This will be on record, guys. We'll go behind the glass and then myself. Keith Bauer, Mayweather-McGregor. You can pick one or you can say if you think it's going to be an odd finish. Like a DQ or fan man from The Simpsons coming in. Just be, just because I want to, like I, I have tickets to watch the fight at this place called Rec Room downtown, and I don't want to get, oh, the, I don't cool. want to get there for the fight and then be forced to, well, not be forced to leave, but have nothing to watch thirty seconds later. So, Keith, if it's if it's one a.m. and you're out in the town, you're probably going to be forced to leave somewhere, brother. That way, two two a.m. is kind of where I hit my stride. No, but I, I guess I'm going to say Mayweather just because I think I want the fight to last a while, and in a long fight, there's no way that McGregor wins. So you think Mayweather? Okay, Joe, Mayweather. Mayweather knockout in under five rounds. Under five? Yeah, five or under. Five or under, Mayweather knockout. I think it's going to be Mayweather. I just get a feeling, though, it's going to go longer. Mayweather just doesn't have the power. I, if McGregor doesn't land an early punch, like a lucky knockout punch, or catches him off guard being unorthodox, I think you'll have Mayweather wear him down and McGregor get tired. I think he'll get worn out. And Riddick Bo was saying, like, the, the conditioning is so different in boxing. Like, even from UFC and mixed martial arts, like, it's, it's different to go. And uh, even at 40, 41 years old, I don't know if anybody's in better shape than Mayweather. Like, it's more than just going on the treadmill and getting yourself in shape. Like, it's such a different level of being in shape. So, I'm going Mayweather, but I'm going to say in rounds six to eight. That he's going to go down because they'll lengthen it out. Because, like Joe, like, like Riddick Bo was saying, if he, if let's say it, it, the, the fight starts and Mayweather feels okay, I can control McGregor as unorthodox as he may be. If I can control him, I think he'll want to lengthen the fight out a bit. You know, one, I don't think he has the knockout power, but two, if you can lengthen it out, it's going to seem like a better fight also. So if he feels he can control the situation, I see that's where it goes a bit longer. I think in that case. If he does do that, which is the smart move, the longer that fight goes, the more he can get a rematch without having to go 49-1. and one. Right, because then it would at least seem competitive and you could warn a rematch. If he goes out and McGregor goes down in the first or second round, no one's going to no pay to see that fight. No, no people don't even want to buy fight. this fight. No, but they will. The hype has been so much that you're going to, well... Either pay for it or get it by some other means or go out to the go out to a bar and see it. I'm gonna be in here after the Argos game, so I'm just gonna stick around and watch it. Argos play, by the way, the Stampeders. Uh, you can catch it on TSN ten fifty, eight thirty pregame, nine PM kickoff here on the station. Blue Jays play tonight, Jay Hap on the Hill, and this weekend, folks. Mayweather McGregor. If you miss any of the show, you go tsn1050.ca or I'll tweet out the links later at andymc81 to hear the full interview with Riddick Bowe and Maurice Jones-Drew for his NFL and fantasy football advice. Great show, everybody, for producer Joe Narsa and Keith Bauer. I'm Andy McNamara. Mike Hogan is in studio and up next. You're listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050.